Howdy, this is the Views from the Shot podcast. I'm your host, your one and only host, Tim Miller. And today, Wednesday, November 15th, 2023, I wish you a happy, happy, happy National Spicy Hermit Cookie Day. Today's show is, as always, presented by Big Banter Sports Network, the one, the only, the best platform covering Big Ten football and Big Ten basketball. Make sure you find Big Banter Sports wherever you are taking in your content on social media. Welcome in. I'm recording right after the Buckeyes win because, well... I've got a lot of thoughts. This is going to be an action-packed show as much as it can be for a win over a team like Merrimack. But before we get into that, I'm not sure if you have heard, but there's a few mysteries scientists are trying to solve as we very speak in this very moment. Number one, there's been a lot of alien sightings lately. That's something they're working on. Do they exist? Do they not? Who knows? Number two... What lives in the deep blue sea, in the great vast ocean? And number three, and quite possibly the biggest mystery scientists are working on right now in this very moment, is how did Ohio State just cover against Merrimack? Today, and today only, we'll attempt to solve one of these mysteries. And that is, of course, how did Ohio State Go out and beat Merrimack by 24 points? That's something we all want to know. Before we get into that, however, can I just say one thing? Just one. That's it. Just one thing. I'm going to say a lot more than one thing. But for, for at least my purposes right now, how did Ohio State win by 24? We're going to get into that. Can we just can we not say that a team is cooked before I don't know they're done with their third game of the season? Can we not say that a team is done and that Chris Holtman needs to be fired? I don't know. Before it's halftime. I mean, Ohio State had played two and a quarter of games this season, two and a half, two and three fifths of a game. And of course. You open up that X machine, formerly known as Twitter, and what are people tweeting? What are people saying? What are people saying on the forums? Time to get rid of Chris Holtman. Just say that you just hate Chris Holtman no matter what, or your alternative is, I just don't know ball. Either one of those is fine. Look, Ohio State covered. Betting doesn't matter in the grand scheme of college basketball, but in a much more real way, it does because it shows the quality of a win. And if you're going to count Ohio State out two and a half games into a season, that's fine. Please stop commenting on Ohio State then if it's going to be that way. If you're just going to have this opinion before Ohio State can get their feet wet in a season... I don't know. Feels like you're you're overreacting just slightly. And I hate to start another show hating on the haters, but 
it needs to be done. Today's show, we're going to review this Merrimack win. We've got a lot of topics to go into. First, we're going to talk about these banger bets and recap really quickly. You're going to want to jump on the bandwagon. From there, we'll take a look back at the keys to the game that I set for Ohio State, see how they performed, then we'll review the game. First half, second half overall, and then I'll have some takeaways for you at the end of the show. But the Buckeyes win. They beat Merrimack on Wednesday night in the shot, and we will talk about the Schottenstein Center as well on our little takeaway segment, so stay tuned for that. In case you didn't see the number already, boy, do I have something for you. I've also got something else for you here, and that's the banger bets. People are saying that this could be the greatest run of all time in Ohio State sports betting. We announced three bets. One was on the... Merrimack preview show where we said, hey, look, we've got four bets that we're going to have our eyes on. Just be ready. And then I started to release these. Number one came out on Tuesday night when the spread was released. And we saw this number fluctuate from 20 and a half. I saw it all the way up to 24 and a half. But we got in early and we took Ohio State minus 20 and a half. You've got to listen to the show. you got to hop on these early. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at the Shot Pod. That's where those are going to get released as well. In each of the first three games, at least one banger bet from each game has seen the odds shift or the line move in general. So we are reacting quickly and we are we're being sharp with these. So Ohio State covers. Another one we took, Zed Key over 9.5 points. I came close to taking Zed Key over 10.5, but I felt more comfortable with the 9.5. That gives us 0.6 units of profit. Ohio State covering gets us 0.9 units of profit. This was an elite read, if I may say so myself. The usage was there. The The production from Zed Key in the first half certainly wasn't. He was horrible from the field all game, but the usage was there. Exactly what I said would happen, which was Zed Key was going to get a chance to get the ball in the little block and go to work. He got the chance. He made a sweat, got a bunch of good looks in the first, could only make free throws, but he finishes with 11 points and that cashes. And then we took Bruce Thornton over 15.5 points, just kind of because, well, he keeps hitting. He keeps exceeding this number. So until he gives us a reason not to take it, we're going to keep taking it. Well, Tonight, he only scores eight points. He didn't get the usage I had expected. Only two of six from the field. He made one three-pointer. Didn't really come close to the line. But we go two of three. It's another profitable night. We go from two and one and plus 0.8 units to four and two and plus 1.3 units. That's a 22% ROI. And in sports betting, that is beyond elite. So listen. Listen to the show because you might make more money if you do bet. And even if you don't, it will help you know where to keep your eyes during the game. So had to shout that out. We're feeling good right now. Let's go into the keys to the game now that I gave for Ohio State and see how they performed. So my number one key to the game is something that Ohio State did do, but the the result wasn't necessarily what we were looking for, and that was to attack the paint and short corners against this Merrimack zone. So they did this. Ohio State did, but they failed to take care of the ball, especially opening up the second half. They got the ball into the paint. They turned it over what felt like at least eight times when they would get the ball into the paint. I'll talk about that a little bit more 
later on. They also did get the ball into the low block, but like I said, Zed Key just unable to convert. But when it was all said and done, talking about Ohio State attacking in the paint, they did. And they scored 32 points in the paint in this win. So an impressive showing in that regard for Ohio State. It seemed like this was going to be a game where Ohio State's big men or you know a three or four we saw Evan Mahaffey especially early in the game Roddy Gale as well getting the chance to kind of play on the elbow the free throw line to kind of attack this zone that Oakland sorry not Oakland Oakland had given Ohio State that Merrimack gave in this one and Ohio State ended up being successful in the first half they couldn't really hit water if they fell out of a boat in the second half they started to gain some momentum finishing with 32 points in the paint. So we can check that off and say Ohio State was successful there. My second key to the game was just please play disciplined defensively. Hadn't seen it in the first two games for Ohio State. And I think we really saw it to start the first half. And I've seen kind of a trend where Ohio State will begin the game pretty strong defensively. But it seems like as the game goes on, and especially tonight, Zed Key... Boy, Zed Key got tired out there. I know he's lost some weight. He should be in better basketball shape. An announcer in, in this one tonight said he's not 100% basketball shape. I If if Zed Key is in 100% basketball shape at this point, I'm not sure that he's ever going to be, but he's as close to 100% as he can be. I think Ohio State did play pretty disciplined. So Merrimack, they shot 46% from the field in the first half, but rotations they were solid players were jumping into their gaps they were helping and guys just simply weren't getting beat until you close the first half where Merrimack just isolated the Buckeyes big man Zed Key who was gassed Felix Akpara got scored on as well and Merrimack goes into halftime probably feeling pretty good about their performance offensively in the second half though Merrimack made three three two-point field goals they made three shots from inside the three-point line that will virtually never, ever win you a game. So Ohio State begins to lock it down, buckle up there in the second half. And I think that they were pretty successful there. We'll talk about the their, their fouling situation as well later on in the show. And the last key that I'll give, I said, hey, look, force Merrimack to shoot threes. They're shooting 21% from behind the three-point line this season. They have not shown in in this season or in the previous season that they can hit from deep. So force Merrimack to shoot some threes. And I tell you what, the Warriors came out and they were firing away. They shot some really, really deep threes in this one. And in the first half, they were 4 of 10. In the second half, they were 5 of 15. They were 36% overall, which is fine. I guess you'll take that if you're going up against Ohio State and you're Merrimack. But... Eh, I mean, they did force Merrimack to shoot threes. That was the key that I gave. They gave up a bunch of threes. Devon Savage was 6 of 9 from behind the three-point line. The rest of the team was 3 of 14. So technically, you can give them the pass. They forced Merrimack to shoot threes in this one. The Warriors just converted more than I think we expected. So I would say overall, you can give them like a 2.5 out of 3 when grading on the keys to the game. So we'll take that for Ohio State. Let's kind of review how this game went, shall we? Let's go to the first half here and give a couple of takes on just how the game played out for Ohio State. So Ohio State starts out this game and Roddy Gale was hot. Hadn't hit 
a single three-pointer this entire season. I believe he was 0 of 7 from behind the arc heading into this game. Today, he hits two triples right off the bat, and then he draws a charge. Gets an elbow right to the chin. Looked like it probably hurt. You know how it goes in basketball. You sell it a little bit. Maybe Roddy Gale was doing that. Maybe he he really did get hit hard. I'm not going to act like I would take an elbow to the face like that and be fine. But Roddy Gale kind of gives Ohio State a spark. They get up 10-6 to early. And you're like, okay, like we will take this. This doesn't look horrible. And you're looking for Ohio State to get out to a fast start against Merrimack. That's something I said in the preview episode. Do that. And something else we saw to start the first half was Ohio State was drawing a lot of charges. And they got Merrimack into some pretty serious foul trouble as well. The foul trouble was one thing. The turnovers were another. I said it going into this. Merrimack is going to turn the ball over. They're not going to look pretty offensively. They had 19 turnovers overall in this one. I'm not sure how many they had in the first half compared to the second, but not good. 19 turnovers is not going to win you a game. And then the Buckeyes, as this game goes on in the first half, they do a great job of getting the ball into the paint. Getting the ball into the paint was not a problem. Now, in the second half, this wasn't much of a focus for Ohio State. They could get the ball into the paint, especially in the first half, but they could not convert. They they go without a field goal for over eight minutes to close the first half before Roddy Gale finally bails them out. But in the first half, they go 9 of 28 from the field. However, they go 15 of 20 from the free throw line while Merrimack in total, shot three free throws in the first half. So the Buckeyes did not look pretty offensively in the first half, especially they'd get the ball into the paint. They would try to get the ball from the elbow into the low block, and you'd see a pass deflected or the ball would get stolen or something like that, and you're just pulling your hair out because you're wondering, why can't Ohio State get anything going offensively? They haven't been able to do it against Oakland. They couldn't do it against Texas A&M consistently. Now we're seeing it against Merrimack, which, in my opinion, probably the worst team that they will play all year. And you go into the halftime with a small lead. Zed Key, a guy who got a lot of usage, we talked about him already. He was 0 of 4 from the field in the first half. And Bruce Thornton as well, not a factor. Rather than slicing up the zone, which I predicted He was primarily passing the ball from wing to wing. He didn't drive. He wasn't really aggressive. And that's what happens at times when when you go up against the zone. The Buckeyes take a small lead into halftime. At halftime, people are, are exploding on X, formerly known as Twitter, and giving all their thoughts on what to do about Ohio State. And Chris Holtman needs to lose his job, and all these types of things. And then the second half comes around. And you may think by my tone of voice and how I've spoken about Chris Holtman in the past, general foreshadowing, you may have a sense for what may have happened. But it wasn't good. So the offensive sequence, I tweeted this out, it was as followed to open up the second half. Missed three-pointer. Turnover, turnover, missed two-pointer, turnover. Uh, Not going to win you games, a sequence like that, out of halftime. I have been 
if you if you've listened to the show at all any time while Ohio State has played basketball my one major critique of Chris Holtman while I'm not going to overreact or maybe maybe I'm wrong in saying the word overreact but I'm not going to say that Chris Holtman should not be head coach of the Ohio State University men's basketball team my one critique has been coming out of halves going into halftime coming out of timeouts would like to see some more consistency from Ohio State, an ability to put together a couple of nice offensive possessions, get some stops. Things just do not look good out of timeouts, going into halftime, coming out of breaks, things like that. And that was the case coming out of halftime in this one. Missed three-pointer, turnover, turnover, missed two-pointer, and turnover. And at this point, I myself am getting frustrated. And if I'm getting frustrated at Ohio State basketball, that means that the the big fans of Ohio State basketball probably punching their television sets while throwing their TV trays across their, their basement or their, their kitchen or wherever they may be watching the game. Not to be condescending. So that happens. And then this is where Ohio State as well, they start to get the ball in the paint, but Merrimack just immediately poking the ball free, and it was disgusting to watch, pathetic. And I, I, I'm I'm not screaming at the TV, but I'm exclaiming, you may say, just chin it. It's, it's simple fifth grade basketball at that point where if you get the ball in the paint and you're consistently getting pressured and you know some hands are going to be in your face... And they're going to be going for the ball. Can you please just put the ball, the top of the ball at your chin, the bottom of the ball at your chest, and just hold it with two hands and observe what is going on around you? Please. Instead of putting the ball above your head, putting the ball on the floor and getting it poked away, it was ugly. It was very, very ugly. It seemed pretty fundamental and elementary to me. It never is that easy, though. So that's as far as I will take that argument. But then the tide starts to turn for Ohio State. Roddy Gale with a thunderous alley-oop. You've got the evergreen tweet coming from the Views from the Shot podcast. Twitter, X, profile, account, whatever. That he is a human hammer. That's an evergreen tweet. Uh, the Buckeyes lead by 13 with eight minutes left. And you're starting to wonder, number one, can Ohio State actually pull away and, and crush a team? And number two... Who's going who's gonna to lead Ohio State down the stretch? Because Roddy Gale wasn't a huge factor at that point. Jameson Battle was very cold. Zedke still couldn't get anything to fall. Bruce Thornton, nowhere to be found. And the Buckeyes, one thing I love that they did in this game and a part of this run, they start to push the pace and the tempo a little bit. They play their game rather than following Merrimack's tempo and letting them dictate the game. They go out into a scorching hot 16-0 run. Jameson Battle comes to life. He scored 13 in this one. Bruce Thornton finally gets a couple of buckets. Roddy Gale keeps making shots, including a three-pointer of his own. And all the while, Merrimack can't score. And then the Buckeyes pretty much close this game out pretty easily. They win and cover 76-52. to They win the second half 41-23. to Roddy Gale, 20 points. Five rebounds, three assists. Jamison Battle, like I said, 13 points. And Zed Key, 11 points and 12 rebounds. He notches his first double-double of the season. Ohio State also chalked up 26 points off turnovers in this one. And Merrimack, 
They fell to a 40% field goal percentage overall. Ohio State shot 57% from deep. So Ohio State improves to 2-1 and one on the young season with a win over Merrimack. Let's get into some takeaways on this game. But before we get there, I want to talk to you again about college basketball analytics. CBBanalytics.com. I use this site to put together my show notes for every single show. And Chris Holtman and the coaching staff probably pouring over the scouting report that was given to them by college basketball analytics after this game against Merrimack. Probably right now as you're listening to this, whether it be late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, the Buckeye coaching staff using college basketball analytics right now to go over what happened in this game, to self-scout, to scout Merrimack and see how the game went and all those types of things. They've got intense, in-depth analytics and stats that can't be found anywhere else in college basketball. So you can get a whole month free if you sign up using the code SHOT. That's S-C-H-O-T-T, SHOT. Enter the code SHOT to get an entire month free on CBBanalytics.com. We use it. Ohio State uses it, as do several other Division I, Division II, Division III college basketball teams in both men's and women's. So join the club. CBBanalytics.com. Use the code SHOT. So takeaways in this one. I've got, what, seven takeaways? And some of these are, are very specific to Ohio State basketball. Some of them are not. But the first one that I just want to mention, it's not really a takeaway as much as it is just a simple fact. But Twitter would not have you know this. Buckeye basketball, mm, how do I say it politely? Buckeye basketball realists or even pessimists would not lead you to believe this. But Merrimack never led in this game. Ohio State took the lead to start the game and they never gave it back. A wire to wire to win for the Buckeyes. As ugly as this was at times, Ohio State never trails and they never really were at risk of losing the lead other than I don't know when they were up 2 to nothing or or 3 to nothing however the game started. So I feel like that just needs to be said that while we still may be a little bit upset with how Ohio State played in the first half, they never did not lead. And that's the best way that I can word that sentence. So I'll leave that at that. Second takeaway from this one, uh, where is Felix Akpara? So he started Every single game this year, he started the exhibition against Dayton as well. But let's do a little comparison between him and Zed Key right now. So Akpara, as a starter in all three games, he played 13 minutes against Oakland. He did get into some foul trouble in that one. He played 22 minutes against Texas A&M, and now he played just 12 minutes against Merrimack. Compare that to Zed Key. Zed Key played 27 minutes against Oakland. That's 14 more minutes than Felix Akpara. He played 19 against Texas A&M. That's only three less than Akpara. And then he played 25 against Merrimack. That's 13 more. Zed Key has been dominating the playing time at center for Ohio State. Zed Key is now averaging 12 points per game. And like we said, he just notched his first double-double of the year. At this point, you have to start wondering if Zed Key is going to take over as the starter. Chris Holtman said after the game, there won't be any massive changes 
with the lineup going forward, but he said if there's a chance to get off to a better start, they would consider making some changes. So take that for what it's worth. I'm not sure where else you would make any changes in the starting lineup unless you're considering Scotty Middleton over Evan Mahaffey, which I would be all for, for what it's worth. But Zed Key may not be on the starting lineup. He may not be in the starting lineup against Western Michigan coming up on Sunday, but he's getting the playing time. He's dominating, and he the counting numbers, at least, have been much better for Zed Key in comparison to Felix Akpara. What I will say, though, if you're wondering where Felix Akpara is, there really hasn't been a matchup that favors Felix Akpara over Zed Key in this one, other than Texas A&M. When you have a team that is paint-centric, that, that rebounds really well, that loves to get the ball into the post, you're going to use Felix Akpara because he's so long, he's so tall, he can block shots, he blocked four against Texas A&M. That's where Felix Akpara is going to make his money. But when you have the ability to get someone down in the low post and score offensively, that's going to be where Zed Key fits. And I think that's why he got more playing time. Now, why Zed Key doesn't start over Felix Akpara, I'm not sure. It's going to be something to keep an eye on against Western Michigan. Third takeaway in this one is just free throw shooting. So Ohio State shoots 16 of 23 from the charity stripe tonight. That's 70%. Not great. It's fine. But what is great is the fact that they made 16. What is great is the fact that they got to the free throw line 23 times and all the while they didn't get into any foul trouble. Evan Mahaffey had three fouls in this one. Every single other player who played for Ohio State in this game had two fouls or less. Evan Mahaffey, the only one with three, and that was the most. Every single other player with two or less. That formula is going to win ball games When you are not giving your opponent free shots at the free throw line, that's why they're called free throws is because they're free. When you're not giving the opponent that and when you're drawing fouls yourself, now granted, Merrimack, Probably not a defensive team that's going to give you that type of free throw production. You're not going to get another team like that all that often. But to get to the line that many times, you want to see him convert a couple more. But the the advantage there that you had was insane. The amount of free throws that you were able to get up over your opponent, that is going to help you win games. So that was very encouraging to see for Ohio State in this one. A couple other Takeaways from this one, the Buckeyes expand the bench. Austin Parks, he gets his first action as a Buckeye. Kalen Etzler and Bowen Hardman also play in this one. They didn't accumulate any stats. One of these three got a steal. I don't remember which, and I don't feel like pulling up the stats to find out. If you are really curious, you can find it yourself because you have access to the World Wide Web. But this is encouraging because we see a game in which Ohio State was able to mm, obliterate a team to the tune of let's get our guys in who haven't played all year. That's always good to see. That's kind of the goal in non-conference when you're not playing Alabama, Texas A&M, potentially Oregon, West Virginia. When you're playing these mid-majors and these low-majors, I think a, a general benchmark should be did Austin Parks play? Did Bowen Hardman play? Did Colby Bowman play? If so, probably a pretty good win for Ohio State. A couple other takeaways here. 
And these kind of go hand in hand. And the last one is mind-boggling. But before we get to that one, just this team this year, I don't know what it is. And maybe it's just me. I Honestly, I would love your feedback on this. If, if you can tweet at me as, as you're listening to this episode right now, just let me know if you agree or disagree. I'd love to get your feedback here. And I'll probably mention it on the next show. It feels like a really, really low-energy team this year. And and number one, I am not in the locker room, so I really have no expertise, no authority to speak on this matter. But you look at the team last year, and you look at like Zed Key, for example, he had been kind of a leader, kind of a vocal leader, you could tell, especially last year. But it seems like this year he hasn't been as vocal. I've seen Roddy Gale, and it sounds so stupid to say this, but I've seen Roddy Gale flex a few times on a couple of nice plays that he's made. You'd like to see some more flexing and and floor smacking and clapping and just hyping each other up, seeing people go net go nuts on on the bench, like we saw in the Joey Lane days, for example. But I feel like that's a piece that's missing for Ohio State basketball right now. And it kind of flows into this last point that I'll get to in a second. But I'm just not seeing the energy on this team this year. And that feels like somewhat of a concern. Again, what I will say is I have no ability to speak on this matter at all other than what I see when I'm at the shot or when I'm watching the game on TV. But if you're noticing this as well, or if you completely disagree, again, please please just tweet at, at the tweet that includes this podcast that says, hey, this is the Merrimack Review episode. Just tweet on that, on that thread, and let me know what you think. Now, the last point I will say, which I think may have something to do with this low energy, Adam Jardy tweeted this out. We retweeted it on the Views from the Shop podcast. Sorry, X. We, we reposted it. Whatever. Um, 7,929 fans in attendance for Ohio State's win over Merrimack. That is the lowest regular season men's basketball attendance in Schottenstein Center history. Less than 8,000 for the first time ever. And you could tell watching this game on TV that there were not a lot of people there. And I get the argument, and I've said it on this show multiple times, I get the shot is not built for basketball, but getting less than 8,000 people in a city like Columbus to go watch Ohio State basketball when there's nothing else going on in Columbus. It's not like the Buckeyes are playing on a Saturday when Ohio State football is also playing. It's not like they're playing on a Sunday when, I don't know, the Browns and the Bengals are in Week 16 fighting for playoff spots, which may very well happen this season. Like, this is a Wednesday night. Tickets, you could get into this game for probably less than $10. Maybe more than $10, just barely, especially with fees. But not only does it feel like a low-energy team, but attendance has not been good. It's pretty clear right now that, that Ohio State basketball is going to need to make some kind of changes to encourage people to get into the shot. Chris Holtman, he he announced, and Ohio State announced that students who had already bought tickets were going to get free pizza to go to the game, to this one. 
they're trying to incentivize people, but people are not showing up for the games. That's not fun to see because generally when you go to a game, I don't care if you're playing Merrimack or Miami, Ohio, or Purdue or Michigan State. It doesn't matter. You want to go to a game and you want to see thousands and thousands and thousands of other people there being loud because it just makes for a better atmosphere and it makes for a more enjoyable atmosphere for Ohio State basketball players and it makes for a more, um, encourages more trepidation, shall we say, if you have more people there for the for the opposing team to have to deal with. So, feels like a lower energy team this year. Attendance really low. Don't like that. Don't like that at all. I don't have a solution for it. I just want to point it out. So that's my last takeaway on Ohio State's win over Merrimack. Next up for the Buckeyes, they're going to take on Western Michigan on Sunday. You can expect the Western Michigan preview to come out on Friday morning. So be on the lookout for that. After Western Michigan on Sunday, they'll get a nice little layoff and they'll take on Alabama on Black Friday. That's the next big game for Ohio State. So one last tune-up game against a Mac school before they go on to take on Alabama. Appreciate you listening to the show today. As always, please subscribe. Make sure you're subscribed. Open up your phone right now and just make sure that you're subscribed. Appreciate it if you do. We've had a huge spike in numbers. We've gotten a lot of good feedback, a lot more listeners, a lot more subscribers. If you're a part of that group, I thank you. If you're not, it's not too late. I will still welcome you with open arms, as will all our other Ohio State basketball community who enjoys the views from the shot podcast. So again, appreciate you listening today. Share the show with a friend. Just one friend. Share the show with an Ohio State Buckeye fan that you know in your life and love and you want them to get more Buckeye basketball content. Thank you for listening today to the Views from the Shot podcast. I will shut up before you shut me off. Go Bucks!